Thanks for joining us on the bridge today. We hope today's sermon will create a connection between you and your Creator. Now God, He's always trying to bridge the gap between heaven and earth, which means that He's He's constantly reaching out for you. And maybe this podcast can provide a bridge for that connection to take place. So, my friend, what is God saying to you today? Today we're going to look at a practice that's called slowing. And, um, and there are people in this room who are already beginning to quiver with anxiety because I just said the word slow. Freak it out. Because they can't handle a slow pace of life. Now if that's you, then you suffer from something called hurry sickness. What is hurry sickness? By the way, if you want to follow us, we are up at the Bible app. You can follow along today. Hurry sickness, above all, is a continuous struggle and unremitting attempt to accomplish accomplish more and more things or participate in more events in less time, frequently in face in the face of opposition. Now get this, because this is crazy, town, okay? Real or imagined. Real or imagined. Sometimes we freak out over stuff that's real. And you know what? That's okay. It's real. Let's figure out what to do with it. But sometimes we freak out over stuff that ain't real. We find out that as the time comes by, we were were worried about something that we should have never been worried about. Can you raise your hand if you've ever experienced this? Do it, don't we? That's what we do. Worry sickness. This quote comes from a man named Meyer Friedman. Meyer Friedman is one of the creators of the Meyer Briggs test. Myers Briggs test. You don't know what that is. It's a personality test. And this guy Meyer Friedman, what he did was he he, he uh, understood that there are like forty percent of the population that are introverts, and the rest of them are extroverts. And what he did when he figured this out, he made the 40% of the population that I belong to, he made us feel human again. So thank you for that. Now I want you to know that I personally suffer from hurry sickness. Okay? I need help from Jesus. I need him desperately. So what I'm about to talk about today is not me pointing at you, so don't take it that way. It's me pointing at me. Okay? I, I struggle with hurry sickness. And perhaps how you might fall into the same boat as me. You struggle with hurry sickness as well. And if that's the case, here are some signs that you might be struggling from hurry sickness. You are constantly speeding up your daily activities if you are suffering from hurry sickness. We read faster. We don't read slow. We read faster. We talk faster. We talk really, really fast. We, we talk speed. We talk really fast. We talk fast. And, and we even find ourselves nodding fast. When somebody is talking really slow, we start nodding faster because we want them to finish what they're trying to say. I see people nodding faster right now because they want me to quit. <laughs> we get anxious. And even angry if we have to wait on anybody or anything. I'm not not even going to look up, okay? (laughs) If you're at a stoplight, you change lanes because the other lane is shorter. You know who you are. (laughs) 
You pass. <laughs> you pass the car in front of you, only to find out that you both arrive at the same place at the exact same time. That's hurry sickness. At the grocery store, you will leave one line to go to another if it looks like the other one is moving faster. I'm not finished. Then you get to the other line and you see the person that you were behind and they check out and the person behind them check out. Then you get all stressed out because that person could have been you. And you just, uh, raise your hand if you've ever done that. Me too. Thank you. I thought it should be. I know that fit. That's hurry sickness. All right. That's what hurry sickness is. Now here's another symptom. It's this multitasking. Now I don't. I can't even do this, so this is not a problem for me. Texting and driving is illegal, but it doesn't seem to stop most people. Okay, <laughs> at least in Dyersburg, I can see it happening. Now, have you ever sat and had a conversation with somebody? You're, you're eating with them. You're eating out with them. You're having a conversation with them. They're talking to you or listening to you, whatever, and scrolling through social media at the same time. Does it not just make you want to grab that phone and throw it in the cheese dip? Maybe it's just me. Pray for me. Okay. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm revealing too much about myself. But I get it. Sometimes you got to multitask. Sometimes you got to do it. But when you don't, don't. If you're multitasking, when you don't have to multitask, then you have hurry sickness. Okay? So, another symptom. Clutter. Please, Jesus, don't look at my van. <laughs> or anybody else for that matter. <laughs> Let's get real for a moment. Some of us, need a closet exorcist to come in our house and cast out the demons that are in our closet. Okay? <laughs> just keep, listen. Okay, get rid of it. I'm, I'm just going to give you some advice. You're not going to wear it. You wore it in the second grade. It's not going to fit. Okay, get rid of it. <laughs> get rid of it. Some other second grader can use that piece, of, that item of clothing. Clutter complicates our lives and can seep into every area of your life. Not just physical stuff, not just your clothes and your things. But sometimes our calendar gets cluttered because we cannot say no to people. And before long, we can't keep up with all of our commitments and we start missing appointments because, we, because of our calendar. We're so cluttered in our life. Another symptom of hurry sickness is this, an inability to love. And this is probably the most important symptom that we need to focus on today. You see, love and hurry, they are fundamentally incompatible. They don't go together. They're like oil and water. Love and hurry are. Why? Because love always takes time. Can somebody say amen? amen. Don't have it quick. And time is one thing that hurried people do not have. Lewis Grant suggests that we are infected with what he calls sunset fatigue. When we, and if you've never heard of sunset fatigue, neither have I, so I'm going to tell you what it is. When we come home at the end of a day's work, 
Those who need our love most, those to whom we are most committed, they end up getting the leftovers. That's what sunset fatigue is. And you know that sunset fatigue has set in in your life when you, when you find yourself rushing and you have no need to. It's like you're going really fast and you're being frantic and you're like, why am I freaking out? It's Saturday. I ain't got to do anything. That's when you know you've got sunset fatigue and hurry sickness. When there's an underlying tension that causes quarrels or sharp words to the people you love or the people around you. When you feel it all the time. When you feel the loss of gratitude and wonder. When you can't look at a sunset or beautiful body of water or a starry night and just sit there in awe and wonder and just feel absolutely blessed to be alive at that moment. I don't know how long it's been since you have felt something like that. That's what you call gratitude and wonder. And when that's gone, you have hurry sickness. If you indulge in self-destructive escape behaviors like abusing alcohol, watching too much TV, or spending too much time on your phone, these are all symptoms. There's an author named John Ortberg. He asked a question of a Christian philosopher by the name of Dallas Willard. I'm just curious. Anybody ever heard of the name Dallas Willard? No? Okay. This guy was a pretty amazing, uh, pretty amazing Christian. But he sat down with him and he asked him this question. He said, what do I need to do to be spiritually healthy? And Dallas Willard, he, he authored many books. He answered him this question. He sat there and he had a very long pause. And the author, John Ortberg, says that when you ever talk to Dallas and ask him a question, there was always a long pause. Just sat there. It was really quiet. And he was thinking. He always took his time. He paused for a long time, and then he said this. If you don't get anything else, get this today. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. So immediately upon John Ortberg getting this, this priceless gem right here, he grabs his pencil and piece of paper and he frantically starts writing it down, right? And he says, okay, that's good stuff, Dallas. What now? And if you think about what he's doing, he's like totally ignoring what was just told to him, right? And just writing it down really quick. And he says, okay, Dallas, what else you got? There was another long pause. And Dallas just sat there for a minute. And then come back and he said, that's it. That's all you do. And it totally just like freaked this guy out. Because he was a pastor. He had all these things going. He's like, that's it. But if you and I want to grow spiritually, we must learn to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from our lives. Now listen closely. This does not never mean that we will not be busy. Okay. Jesus was always busy. He said, I must be busy about my father's work. That's in the Bible. He often had much to do, but he did it in a way that severed, he never did it in a way that severed the life-giving connection between him and his father. And so many times in our life when we get anxious and wound up and spun up, that's what's happening. We are severing the life between us and him. 
And he never did it in a way also that interfered with his, with his ability to show love when it was time for him to show love. Look through the Gospels. Jesus was always being interrupted. Amen? Now let me tell you something, church. I desperately need prayers in my life for this area of my life. I need it bad. I move sometimes at such a frantic pace in my own life that it causes much stress and much anger. And I'm sure if any of you have been around me, you've noticed it. There's a lot of contributors in my life that contribute to this. My inability to say no, my cluttered life, my cluttered schedule, lack of sleep, replacing true rest for entertainment like television. Things like that. I don't rest. I sit down and I veg out and I watch TV. This list is long. I've got a long list. I've just given you a little bit of things. But God is calling all of us to this right here. Psalms 34 and 8. Can y'all read this out loud with me on the count of three? Let's read it together. One, two, three. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. You ever eaten with somebody that uh, they eat super slow? And it's like, you get done eating and you're like, what is happening over here? So the people with hurry sickness, it's killing them because they're like, Everybody else's table is just kind of enjoying themselves and they're in conversations. But people who are eating slow, they are savoring every bite. They're enjoying every bite. Let me tell you something. Yesterday, I went to a wedding and I had some ribs. I wanted to suck on that bone. It was so good. <laughs> Best ribs I ever ate. Now, think about this. Have you ever ate with somebody who just, they shove it in so fast. You're wondering, are they even swallowing or is it just going straight down? Do they even taste it? Yeah, they both exist. Both types exist. And you, you wonder if they even taste it. You go, you know what? I ain't even going to salt their food. I'm just going to let them just shove it down. What if you and I are moving at such a fast pace in life that we have good things in our life, but we don't realize it because we don't stop to taste and see that it is good. See that the Lord is good. Because we don't slow down enough to savor the moments that God has, the, the blessings and the gifts that God has given us. I had some bacon yesterday morning, church, that I actually thought about taking it home and, and, and giving it a name and adopting it as a child. It was so good. I'm not lying. I've never tasted any bacon like this. Pray for me. I guess, I guess what's given me cause to pause, pun intended this morning, is this. That you cannot be a person of love and hurry at the same time. Amen. Now, I will tell you that I hate interruptions. 
But when I look at Jesus' ministry, it, at least half of his ministry was done as a result of interruption. Stop and think about it. He was either on his way somewhere and somebody said, hey, I want you to heal me. And he stopped and he healed him. Or he was teaching somewhere and somebody busted through a roof and he's like, what's going on here? And he had to go heal them. Or he's in the middle of teaching and preaching and a Pharisee speaks up and challenges them and he begins to think about it. Almost every, there's like, I would say 40 to 50% of Jesus' ministry, miracles and things that were done was happened because of an interruption. Because of an interruption. I'm very aware of my tendency to hate interruptions and it bothers me deeply. Okay, But I don't think that I'm the only one in this room that suffers from hurry sickness. I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm just letting you know that I'm with you, okay? I'm with you on this. I do as well. You see, there are people that I am aware of that move really, 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 really slow. And they're thinking, well, I've got this one nailed because I don't move fast at all. I don't even talk fast. I talk real slow. Right? And they think to themselves, I got this. This is my sermon today. Yes! Right? And we get, you see, I've got this one nailed because I don't let anybody rush me whatsoever. And that may be true. And while they may never show up on time for anything, they get upset if somebody keeps them waiting. They lack patience. They are very patient with themselves, but they have very little patience for anybody else. Do you know anyone like this? Do not point. Do not point. <laughs> so, so, so let me talk to you for a minute. While you may be able to move slowly and at your own pace of life, you have, complete, you have a completely different standard for everybody else. You still have hurry sickness. You do. Okay? You still have hurry sickness because you have absolutely no patience. And you can look at two different people and see that person moving slow and that person moving frantically, and they can both still have hurry sickness. Okay? It's a thing in the heart. You see, if, if you're like this and you move slow and, and you you know you do your thing, but you make what it is is you your unrealistic demands on other people. They're not very loving. And, and you do this and you do that and you do this and you got everybody around you popping and hopping and they're all frantic, but you're calm. If you're rude to your waiter or your waitress, this is you. If you park in a handicapped spot even though you're not handicapped, this is you. This is you. If you get angry and bitter because you cannot find a close parking spot. This is you. <laughs> you suffer from hurry sickness as well. And you cannot be a person of love and hurry at the same time. Can't do it. Hurry and love are incompatible. They don't work. And the message that the world is preaching to us is that slow is bad, fast is good. Are you, do you get that from the world? Faster internet, faster cars, faster service. Lord have mercy. When's the last time you went in to actually get any groceries? Just pull up in the parking lot now, they're bringing it out to you. Or better yet, order it, they bring it to your house. 
And in this upside down kingdom that we as followers of Jesus are a part of, it is just the opposite, okay? Slow is better, not fast. Now I know this is hard to hear, but think about Jesus for just a moment. He never rushed anywhere, did he? You think about Jesus. Did you ever see Jesus running? The only time I even remember thinking about Jesus running is when he talked. He talked about the prodigal son, and when the father saw the prodigal son coming home, the prodigal father ran to the prodigal son. That was an amazing moment. It wasn't Jesus, it was Jesus talking about somebody running, right? Jesus was slow. As a matter of fact, he was so slow that they accused him of being a drunkard and a glutton. It's in the Bible. It's there. He never rushed anywhere. And in fact, he didn't even rush when his close friend Lazarus was dying. Now, I know this is hard to hear, but Jesus was love and flesh and blood, and he moved slow. Now, he moved with intention, but he moved slow. Slow is the pace of love. Look at your neighbor and tell him, say, slow is the pace of love. Now, I want you to think about the first three fruits of the Spirit. The first three fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, and peace. None of these can happen in a hurry, can they? Love can't happen in a hurry. You feel unloved when people rush you and they don't want to hear what you have to say. Joy can't happen in a hurry because joy comes from you taking time to enjoy the life and the people that God has put in you, in, in your life with you. Peace. No. Peace doesn't happen in a hurry. Anxiety and frustration happens in a hurry. None of these can happen in a hurry. They are the opposite of hurry. Let's look at a few examples from Scripture this morning. I'm going to read. Now, there are too many, too many for me to put up on the screen, so I'm going to go to the Word and just read it to you, okay? Luke 8. I'm going to start at verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had, had, he had uh, an only daughter about 12 years of age, and she was dying. He was in a hurry because his daughter was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. Now stop for a moment and think about this. If Jesus is moving fast, people are going to be behind him, not pressing around him, right? He's moseying right along. And people are all around him. That's how Jesus is moving. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him. Again, think about this. If he's walking and there are people all around him, and somehow she manages to move through the people and get to him and touch him, he can't be moving that fast. Right? She gets to him. She touches him. She came up behind him and she touched the fringe of his garment and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? And when all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surrounding you are pressing in on you. In other words, Jesus, everybody's touching you. They're all over you. What do you mean? 
But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceive that power has gone from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him and declared in the presence of all people why she had touched him and how she had been made immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Amazing story, right? It ain't over yet. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble. Don't worry the teacher anymore. In other words, it's too late. Jesus took too long. Just forget it. You ever felt that way? I'd be lying if I said I had never felt that way. But Jesus, on hearing this, he answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James, and the father and mother of the child all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep. She's not dead, but she's sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and he directed something, and he directed that something should be given to her to eat. She's hungry, folks. She's been dead. If you ever read scripture, after people were resurrected, they were hungry. Jesus, after he was resurrected from the dead, he ate a lot. Of course, Jesus ate a lot anyway. Just read the Bible. But right after he was resurrected, so apparently resurrection takes something out of me. I don't know. <laughs> and her parents were amazed, but he, but he charged them to tell them that nothing happened. Don't tell anybody about this. So you see how that Jesus was on his way to, to heal Jairus' daughter when she was interrupted by another need. He was in no hurry. Jesus would mose him right along. Even when it seemed like he should be in a hurry. Life and death situation. I would have imagined Jairus is saying in his head, Come on, Jesus, my daughter. Let's go, let's go. But Jesus couldn't be hurried. Let's look at another one. John 11. Y'all mind if I read the Bible this morning? John 11. I'm not going to read all 46, 46 verses. I would have to read them real slow. <laughs> now a certain man was ill, was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, the illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. Love moves at the speed of slow. Okay? He loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. And so when she heard that Lazarus was ill, Jesus rolled up his sleeves and he took off running. And that's not what it says, is it? It says he stayed two days longer. What's up with Jesus? He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And I can picture him saying it really slow. Come on, guys, let's go. 
And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And they're there again. And Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, if anyone... What? He didn't say nothing about running, did he? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because his light... Now, let me ask you a question. If somebody stumbles, what are they usually doing? They're in a rush, ain't they? They can't see. <laughs> That's what he's saying here, too, yeah. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he's going to recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, uh, but they thought he might be taking a rest and asleep. And Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, Let us go also, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. Was Jesus just two miles away? And it took him four days to get there. I walked two miles. I don't know. Anyway, many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. I'm going to pause here for a People will try their best to pressure you into her being. They will. And a lot of the pressure that you feel on your life comes from other people. Amen. And Jesus didn't let that happen, did he? I want to skip all the way down to uh, verse 41. It says, So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have hurt me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said on this account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth that Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Can we say praise the Lord? Jesus moved slow when he still got done what he needed to get done. One more story. It's not going to be long. Okay. Luke 10, 32. Know this one. I talked about this one before. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered the village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Mary was taking her time, wasn't she? But Martha, but Martha, everybody say with me, but Martha, was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Then tell her to help me. Tell her. 
tired to help me, Jesus. I'm tired. She looked lazy. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Think about the two. One is sitting with Jesus. The other one is frantically moving about. What does he say about her? You are troubled and anxious. Many of us feel so much anxiety in our life. It's not necessary. We're frantically doing things that really don't need to be done. We could just be sitting at the feet of Jesus and enjoying time with him. But instead, we are busy, busy, busy trying to get things done. Jesus says, he answered her, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary, and Martha has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now here's the problem with our hurry and with Martha's hurry. We end up replacing our being with Jesus with our doing for Jesus. That's the problem that so many of us face. So let's get this in the right order. Our doing for Jesus must flow from our being with Jesus. You agree with that? If you have a ministry of any kind, that should come from the surplus of your energy and of your love. It should be a result of an outpouring of love that you have. And we can't do that by living a life of hurry. So, is there a spiritual discipline that can help us with the problem of hurry? I am so glad you asked. Yes, there is. It is called slowing. Have you ever heard of this? I have not. I'm glad you have. Before I tell you what it is, let me show you what it can do. You guys remember my handy dandy little notebook here? That's books, books, ain't it? So we have this set up here. Fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against us there is no law. That's like a good life. You agree? Those are that's a good list to have for your life. Very good list. And we have gone through, we talked about fasting and how that fasting can help you, you know, to contribute self-control in your life. Now, again, let me reiterate this. The trellis that I have given you, the rule of life that I have given you, it's a list of disciplines and things that you can put in your life. But this is not a self-help thing, okay? You don't just do these things and they automatically happen. What happens is... You provide, again, we're talking about soil. We're talking about the fruits of the Spirit. You cultivate the soil of your soul so that God can bring forth these fruits. Okay? In the parable of the soils, there are four soils, but only one of them brings forth any fruit. And it's the one that is cultivated and prepared. So what we are doing with the spiritual disciplines is we are providing a space. We sung that song today. I'm going to make room for you, Lord. We are providing a space and a place. And we're cultivating our soul so that God can bring forth these things from our spirit. Am I making sense to you today? Yes. 
And so, here we go. Slowing can help us with what? Now, it can also help us with more. There's over, think about this. Slowing can help us with what? Right? It can also help us with, it can also definitely help us with, absolutely. But this is what I want to focus on. And there's a reason for that. We pray and we pray no, no, we don't pray for patience. <laughs> I've heard everybody, all the Christians say, I ain't praying for patience. Because that's going to bring a whole bunch of trials that are going to make me have to be patient. So we don't pray for patience. I'm not telling you to pray for patience, okay? Just relax. However, what I am telling you to do is to practice patience. That way, when the test comes along, you're ready for it. You don't ask for it to come, you get prepared for it. And then when it comes, you're ready for battle. Amen? So, let me show you. The spiritual discipline can help you make spot, uh, space for God to cultivate patience in your life. I also believe that it will affect your love, joy, and peace as well. And it only makes sense. So what do we do? What is the practice that, we want, that we're going to do? You intentionally slow down on purpose and you train your patience. You're not just trying, you're training your patience. So here are some suggestions. And if you're on the Bible app, they're right there written down. Drive the actual speed limit. Not 56. 55. In a 55. Not 55. In a 45. Okay. Drive the actual speed limit. I know this was, I know this was in, it is kind of hard. But I believe in you, church. I believe you can do it. There are some people in here who are like, what's, what's up? I do that anyway. What's up with that? And some of you are like, <laughs> freaking out at this very moment. The two types of people that are in this church. Another one, yeah, some of these are just going to have to do with your driving. Get in the slow lane. Again, some of you are like, that's where I drive anyway. In the slow lane. Some of you never are in the right lane. You stay in that left lane the whole time. So, Understand that there will be some spiritual disciplines that will be upstream for you and downstream, okay? In other words, there's some disciplines in your life that are going to be easy for you and some that are going to be hard, all right? And so there's just, and it's, a lot of that just depends on your personality type, your stage of life, okay? And so some of you are freaking out about this and some of you are like, this is just, this is just what I do anyway. So you want to balance your life with upstream and downstream disciplines, okay? In other words, <clears throat> some of them are going to be much easier than others. A lot of it depends on your personality and your stage of life. For some of you, you're thinking, hey, the slow lane, that's where I always drive anyway. And you're feeling anxiety at the thought of it. But here's another slowing practice. Come to a full stop at stop signs. Again, this is not 
a legalism thing. I'm not saying you're breaking the law, so you should go to jail. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying these are things that you can do to cultivate patience in your life. Come to a full stop and stop sign. I know this California rule stuff. You know who you are out there. Refuse to text and drive. I'm not going to do this. Show up 10 minutes early for an appointment. <laughs> Why? Ain't nobody going to be there 10 minutes early. And some of you are sitting here thinking, 10 minutes early, that's late. Those of you who show up at church at like 9 o'clock in the morning, you know what I'm talking about. Glad to have you here with us. <laughs> Intentionally get in the longest checkout line in the store. Oh, I heard that. That one hit a nerve, didn't it? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Park all the way out to the end of the parking lot. Some of you are looking at me like right now, like you're absolutely nuts. This church is full of crazy people. <laughs> so let me tell you about this. If, if, if Jacob was here right now, he would be like looking at me with his big eyes. When we went on the mission trip, I had, you know, I rented this vehicle or whatever. They needed to go to Walmart. We pulled into Walmart and I found a parking spot at the end of the other cars because it's a rental car and I didn't want to get it banged up. They were so mad at me because I didn't park closer. I said, okay. So I get in the car, start it up. I go all the way out to the very end, to the very last parking space in Walmart. And I park there. There's like tons of empty space. And they just stop and they look at me. <laughs> get out and I shut the door and I go walking in. <laughs> so every time I pull up into the parking place now, they're like, oh, this is great. We love this. We love this. <laughs> oh Jesus get a flip phone instead of a smartphone if this is an issue with you swap them out parent your smartphone you're in charge of it it's not in charge of you put it to bed and make it sleep in the next room I'm just going to look straight up and talk about this okay there are some people who sleep with their phone under their pillow. How in the world can you get a good night's sleep? It's like, oh, how could you get a good night's sleep doing that? All right. Keep your phone off until you finish with your morning quiet time. Now, I realize that some of you actually use your phone for your quiet time. So my challenge to you is this. Find something else to do. Use that maybe for your midday devotion. Find a book, find a Bible. Do not touch your phone until you are finished with your quiet time in the morning. Okay, your quiet time should not, it should be about your time with Jesus, not really about sharing with everybody. You know, after your quiet time, if you want to go pick it up and share with everybody what God showed you, that's awesome. But this is a challenging one, I know. Set a time limit for social media, or better yet, get off of it. But set a time limit if you can. Um, this one hits me hard. Because that's my problem. I'm telling you right now, I, I, I go home and I veg out and I watch TV. 
and, I, and, and actually this week the Lord convicted me about this. I, I, a lot of times what I will do, and I didn't realize what was going on, but I was praying and God started talking to me as I was journaling and figuring things out. Realized that I go home and I sit and I watch television and that becomes social energy for me. I know it doesn't make sense, but there's people on that screen and I'm interacting with their life by just sitting there vegging out and watching it. So I stopped this week watching television. And if I felt tired, I actually went to sleep. And I woke up, and what happened was, is I found myself wanting to be with other people. I did. Because I didn't let that television make that fix for me. Now this is me, it could be you too. But I decided I'm not gonna watch TV unless I'm doing it with somebody. I'm not gonna play a video game unless I'm doing it with somebody. In other words, it's a social thing. That make sense? Okay. Doesn't mean you're going to do it. It just makes sense. Single task. Intentionally. Stop doing everything at once. Intentionally walk slower. You ever seen the fast walkers? Slow down. <laughs> Again, some of you have no problem with this. Take an entire day off for silence and solitude with God. An entire day. Take up journaling. When you journal, and I would encourage you, don't do a, a typing or a phone journal. Get you a pen and a piece of paper. It forces you to slow down and think about what you're writing. For me, when I type up a sermon, I can type it so fast. I can type it as fast as I think it. But when I'm actually writing, I have to slow down because I can't write as fast as I think. It forces me to think clearly about what I'm writing down. So good journaling. <laughs> Cook your own food. <laughs> Oh, okay, yeah. Next, next. Next, he said. <laughs> that is what slowing is. Those are just some examples, okay? And listen, get creative. Those are just some examples of, of slowing your life down intentionally to be with Jesus. Now, you, here's what, we just laughed quite a bit, didn't we? And the thing about it is you can have fun with this. Treat it like a game, all right? Just kind of think about, well, I'm going to try this this week. Don't make it out to be a drudgery thing. Just try to have some fun with it. Um, think of it maybe as experimenting. Now, nobody, I know that nobody wants to pray for patience, like I said a while ago, and I get it because you think it just brings on a bunch of trials. But this way, you are actually training for patience instead of getting a pop quiz that you just ain't ready for. Does that make sense? Amen. You're getting ready for the battle before it comes. You see, there is this thing, and I want you to hear this. There is this, there is passive spiritual formation, and then there's active spiritual formation. Yeah. Okay. Passive spiritual formation, it's a thing, but what it is, it is you responding correctly to the trials that come your way. This is something you can't, the only control you have over passive. Spiritual formation is making the right decision in a trial or tribulation. Okay? Active spiritual formation is what we're talking about. 
It's like a preemptive strike. You're, you're deciding to do something instead of something happening to you. In other words, passive spiritual formation in this respect would be if, if something came at you and you, you had to be patient, a trial or something, that's passive spiritual formation. God is using that to form your soul into the likeness of Christ. But what I'm proposing to us is that we try to do active so that when the passive comes, we're strong and we're ready for it. I believe that we can prepare ourselves for these trials. So grab your rule of life. If you got it, grab your rule of life that I gave you last week and get to work. Figure out what you're going to do and where you're going to do this. You've already put fasting on there somewhere. Mine already told you mine's going to be on Thursdays. Where, when, and how will you practice slowing on your trellis in your life? When you back up and you look at your life, where are you going to try this? Where are you going to do this? And what you can do, and this is, I, I, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? I'm about to wind it up, okay? Why are we doing this? When you find yourself being impatient, it's a warning sign, okay? Sometimes things happen and we don't like what we see coming out of us. Sometimes our soul responds in a way and we don't like it. There is something we can do about it, okay? And so if, you're, if you think you're going along really good and then all of a sudden you find that you're being impatient with your wife or you're being impatient with your husband or you're being impatient with your kids... These are some things that you can do to get ready for. You okay, church? <laughs> it's 11.55. I went really slow today, didn't I? All right, guys. I love y'all. I had a good time in the Lord today. Did you? Take this spirit with you today.